So this week, Casey shared with me what it was like on Tuesday morning as she left the house with Judah. So she began by getting together a cup of milk and all of his snacks and putting them in the diaper bag because they would be gone for a while. She also put a change of clothes in there for Judah because, well, you never know. She put some toys and some books in there just in case they needed them. And as she finished doing that, she noticed Judah run off into the bathroom and try and climb in the bathtub to play. So she took him out of there. She starts putting her jacket on, and that's when Judah starts taking snacks out of the diaper bag to eat them. So she puts the snacks back in the bag. She puts her shoes on, and then Judah runs off to play with his toy cars. So then she goes and gets him, puts his shoes on. She did all this while being on the phone with someone. Then finally she gathered everything up. She took Judah by his hand so that when she opened the door, he didn't run off and play with the mulch and the rocks. She buckled him in his car seat, and then she went on her way. Two years ago, life was very different for us. Two years ago, Casey probably just walked out of the house, got in the car, and started her day. You see, at that time, we were more focused on our own schedules and activities. We didn't have this 24-7 concern for a little one. Life with Judah is certainly different. And of course, me and Casey, we wouldn't trade it for the world, even in the difficult times. And in a much greater way, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, our lives should be different now. Because you see, before we were in Christ, we lived how we wanted. We chased after our own pleasures. We were concerned with our own happiness. But now that we follow Jesus, he's the one that we obey, that we worship. It's his will that we should be concerned with. Life is no longer about us. And I'm certain that many of us would not trade a life with Christ for anything this world has to offer. Because while life can be difficult following Jesus in a world that hates our Lord, we know that it's worth the difficulty. We know that not only have we received salvation and forgiveness after putting our faith in Jesus, but many of us can attest to the fact that we have seen our lives changed by the Savior. And this morning, I want us to see some truths about life with Jesus as we turn together to John chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take those out and turn to John chapter 2 as we take a look at life with Jesus In John chapter 2, as it begins, we're going to find a very familiar story for many of us. But I pray that this story will encourage and challenge us about this different life that we now live as followers of the Lord. John chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 1. It says this, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Let's pause right here. So here we find Jesus and his disciples at a wedding in Galilee. And these celebrations, they could last for several days. Sometimes they could even last a week. But at some point in this wedding celebration, trouble struck. There was no more wine available. And the fact that Mary seemed to be taking care of the situation has led some to believe that she was either a very close friend or maybe even related to someone in the bridal party. Because these were family affairs. And so 
that would explain her concern about the wine, her desire to take care of it. Let's be honest, on the face of it, this may not seem to us to be the biggest problem in the world. But it certainly would have been an embarrassment to the bridal party and to the family if the wine ran out. This was one of their responsibilities to their guests. So Mary must have been feeling the stress in this moment. When Casey and I got married, I remember that things went pretty well that day. The most important thing, of course, was that she said, I do. But I remember waking up that morning, and I looked out the window, and I saw rain clouds and fog everywhere. And I know that they say that rain is good luck on your wedding day, but we were getting married outside, so I didn't feel very lucky. And I knew that in the greater scheme of things, this was a small thing. But I still prayed to the Lord, and I just begged Him to take that rain away. And he did. And again, I know that it may seem like a small thing, but to me and Casey, it was a big deal. Wine running out may seem like a small thing, but it was a big deal to Mary. And in that moment, Mary did the best thing that she could have done. She went to Jesus. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we can be certain of something. We can be certain that we will face issues in this life. And sometimes there'll be small issues like in an event, or we have a minor cold, or we have a tough discussion coming up with someone. Other times there'll be big issues, like cancer, or bankruptcy, or persecution for our faith, or struggles with sin. But in the moments of life where we find ourselves in need, or stressed, or in those difficulties, whether they're big or small, where do we go? Where do we go in those moments? Do we look to ourselves, to our own strength for solutions, for quick fixes? All of us are going to face big and small issues in life. The difference is that as Christians, we can go where Mary did. And she went to Jesus right away. Let's pick up in verse 4. This is Jesus' response. He says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. All right, let's, let's pause here again. I promise we'll finish this narrative before the day is over. Mary, she found herself facing an issue, and the first thing that she did was go to Jesus. Some people have speculated over the years what Mary was hoping Jesus would do. But I think that when she brought her needs to Jesus, she was hoping that he would do something extraordinary. He would do something maybe even miraculous, something that only he could do. Because you see, Mary, Mary hadn't forgotten what the angel Gabriel told her years before, that the son who would be born to her is the son of God. And this might explain Jesus' response. Now, first, let me note briefly that when Jesus responded to Mary and said, woman... This would not be considered disrespectful like it would be today. Rather, we could better understand it as Jesus replying with, my lady. And in his response, Jesus simply tells her that his time hadn't come yet. It wasn't time yet for Jesus to be glorified, to be revealed as God's son. This wasn't the hour for which he had come. That would be down the road when he willingly went to the cross to die for our sins, when he powerfully rose from the dead. Perhaps he was simply telling her that he wasn't going to respond the way that she was thinking. 
some big display of glory. You know, sometimes, sometimes when we bring our needs to the Lord, he responds in a way that we don't expect. But he'll still respond. That's why the first thing for us to recognize in this familiar story is that in life with Christ, we'll still face issues. But Jesus is there for us. We'll still face issues. Jesus is there for us, though. And in those moments, the best thing that we can do is go to Jesus. Because he hears our needs. We don't serve a God who's far off, who's unconcerned and uncaring about his people. We can go to him anytime, knowing that he hears our every need. How he answers those needs may change, but what will never change is that he hears his people. Mary, she knew that Jesus was going to respond in some way to this situation. And as she turned to the servants and told them to simply do whatever Jesus said, Mary was demonstrating her faith in Jesus' willingness and ability to respond. Believers, you know, we, we often say that, that we do believe that Jesus is always available to us and that we do believe that he hears our needs. But do we demonstrate that faith by bringing our needs to him? It seems that sometimes in our moments of need, we prefer to rely on our, on our own strength or abilities instead. But, but that's how we used to live. That, that was life before Christ. This is life with Christ. And let's not forget that now that we are his people, he's here for us in this life, believers. Mary's a great example of the faith that we need to show in those moments when we face difficulties and issues. Let's look at verse 6. It says, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. We're going to pause right here. I know that there's a few words left in verse 8. We'll come back to them. Let's just pause right here. Because I want us to imagine being in the sandals of these servants right here. The family ran out of wine. Now you've been told to follow the instructions of this, this Jesus fellow. You're probably thinking he's the one who's simply going to give you money so that you can run out and buy more. Or maybe this Jesus guy knows some wine merchants who can help you out when you're in a tough spot. But instead, he tells you to fill up these big jars with water. Now you're probably skeptical, but... You've been told to do whatever he says, and by this point, maybe you're a little curious what his plan actually is. But then he tells you to scoop some water out and take it to the master of the banquet. Might be that at that point, you get the feeling that maybe it's April Fool's Day, and you're the fool. Maybe you start to think that this Jesus guy isn't quite as nice as his family made him out to be. At the very least, you are very, very confused. Maybe you're even a little worried and nervous to follow his commands. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew, you knew what Jesus wanted you to do? You knew that he wanted you to share the gospel with that person or to turn down that person's offer to join them in sin or to sacrifice something for God's purposes. You knew that, but you were skeptical. 
You thought, surely Jesus wouldn't tell me to do something like that? Or or you were worried that if you followed through with what Jesus was commanding you, that maybe you'd look foolish to people around you. Maybe you read the commands of Jesus in Scripture and they were a little confusing or they were difficult or you simply became nervous because of what others would think. I want us each to think when the last time was we faced a situation like that. And what did we decide to do in that situation? See, there are times in this life with Christ where we will face trials, tests, challenges in our faith. Moments where we have to decide whether or not we're going to pursue things the Lord's way rather than our way. Will we share the gospel or will we stay silent? Will we give in to that sin or will we pursue righteousness? Will we draw near to the Lord or will we draw near to the world? The whole time, Jesus stands there waiting for us to move, to scoop out some water and start walking in obedience to him. But again, the question is, what do we do in those moments? All right, let's come back to the servants who are possibly confused and fearful. Look at the end of verse 8. They did so. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. They did so. They obeyed the voice and the command of Jesus. They did so. Those, those are some sweet words in this story. And they're words that I hope ring true in our lives. That when we face trials and challenges of faith, that when we're tempted to disobey or to doubt or to live the way that we once did, but then are reminded the truths of Scripture and the commands of Christ, that it could be said of our lives, he did so. Or she did so. Not because we understood how it would all work out, but because we chose to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Not because it would make life easier, but because it's always worth trusting and obeying the Lord. That's what we see next in this story, that although we'll face trials of faith in this life, we need to trust the Lord and obey Him. Didn't we sing that together earlier? Words of that well-known hymn, trust and obey. Did we mean it? Did we mean it when we sang that to the Lord? When we sang together, then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. A few years ago, a church sang that song together in their worship service, and afterwards, a couple from that church was struggling with a decision that they needed to make. And the decision was about whether or not they would follow what God's Word, what the Bible made very clear, how they needed to act in their relationship, or if they would continue living the way that the world says is okay which is the more convenient path. So they went to their pastor for advice. And when they were sitting with their pastor, he asked them to simply remember the words of that song they had sung together earlier, trust and obey. 
And that couple knew exactly what they needed to do. They left the pastor's office determined to do things God's way. And in this story, the servants, they were clueless as to what would happen in this moment, yet they obeyed Jesus. Many times, we know what the Lord wants us to do, but we hesitate because we don't know what the result will be of obedience or because we do know what the result of obedience will be. And it makes us nervous. The answer is the same in these tests and trials of faith. It's that we're supposed to trust and obey the Lord. We've been called to be obedient. And we can leave the results in His hands. Here in John chapter 2, the results, they were incredible. Because the master of the banquet, he didn't taste ceremonial jar water. No, he tasted wine. And it gets even better from there. Look at the end of verse 9. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. Why don't you consider a few things. This, this wedding that they were at would probably never have been in any history book, but now it's forever in the Word of God because they ran out of wine. These servants who were shaking in their sandals as they took the water to the master of the banquet got to witness the first miracle in the Savior's ministry because they ran out of wine. The disciples that Jesus had gathered at this point stepped into deeper faith on this day because they ran out of wine. Mary got to witness an answer to her request by the Son of God because they ran out of wine. You see, believers, many times the inconveniences and issues of this life, both big and small, result in us being able to see God do something incredible that we may not have seen had things gone according to our plans. You see, life with Christ is different than how life was before. We'll still face issues in life. And I'll be honest with you. If you are faithfully following Jesus Christ, you will face increased issues in life. Jesus said the world is going to hate us for our faith. But when we do face issues, whether for our life, our faith, the situations we go through, our health, we know that he's there for us. And sometimes we choose not to go to him. We foolishly try and go it alone. Other times we go to him, but we're too afraid to do things his way. So we stand there with these water jars full with the solution prepared for us, but we never get to experience his better plans. But when we do go to him, when we trust and obey him, when we step into his will in those situations, we find that his way may not be easier, but it's better. It's better. We just got a great picture of that truth because here, Jesus didn't just create wine. He created the best wine. Jesus could have easily, easily turned this water into a good but lesser wine, into one that would have been 
undistinguishable, one that would have been appropriate for this time in the wedding celebration. But Jesus doesn't make things that are just okay. No, no, Jesus makes things that are great. And so this wine, it wasn't, it wasn't the expectation, it exceeded the expectations. It's safe to say that it was the best thing for Mary to do to go to Jesus when she faced an issue. It's safe to say that it was the best thing for these servants to follow the word and the will of Jesus Christ. And believers, it is the best thing for us to do the same in our situations, even when we aren't sure what the results will be. God has had to teach me this truth many times in my life because I can be quite stubborn. And I remember that during a difficult time in my life, as I was waiting for God's direction and his provision, I grew discouraged by the wait, by things happening on his timetable instead of mine. And it was during that time that a great encourager in my life handed me a note, and on that note, he had scribbled a quote from a preacher, and that quote said, delay is not denial, it's only God preparing something bigger or better. And it was several months later before I finally realized what the better thing was that God had in mind for me at that point in my life. He met my need in a way that I didn't expect, but I was able to look back later and see that it was best. I was able to look back later and realize that had I acted in my own strength, I would never have grown in my faith. I wouldn't have seen his greater purposes for me at that time. And you see, that's one of the differences of life with Christ. It's life his way. It's learning to rely on him, to trust him, to obey him, and to step into whatever his purposes are. And when we do, we'll see Jesus provide. His provision may not be what we imagine, but what he provides is always best. Believers, here's our truth this morning from John chapter 2. Life with Jesus is not easier, but it is better. Life with Jesus is not easier, but it is better. Let me explain what I mean. We'll still go through the issues of this life, and more so because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We'll face temptations, trials, and tribulations. We might lose everything in this life, but we'll never lose Christ. And so, it's better. Better to go through the issues of life with Christ by our side than to enjoy the pleasures of the world separated from God. Better to endure persecution for our faith in Jesus than to stay in the cozy, hell-bound camp of the devil. Better to rely on the greater plans of Jesus than to cling desperately to our own faulty plans. Better to let Jesus provide what is best for us than to have all the things that the world could offer. Believers, isn't it amazing that now that we have a life with Christ, our life isn't like what it was before. We don't walk through the issues of life alone. We serve a God who's near us, who hears our needs when we bring them to him. When we lay those needs at his feet and move forward in faithful obedience, we will see him work in our lives. Might not always answer the way that we want, but we'll start to realize that his will and his way are better. So that even when we go through issues, even when we go through difficulties, we wouldn't trade a life with Christ for anything. 
Life with Christ isn't easier, but it's better. And it leads to the greatest thing, which is an eternal life in his presence. And that's what we're living for, believers. We're not following Jesus Christ for an easy life here. We're following him because we know we have eternal life with him at the end of this one. And if you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, I would hope that would be your takeaway. Please understand the Bible says that when this life is over, we will go to one of two places. One is that we will spend an eternity in the presence of the Lord. The other is that we will spend an eternity separated from God in a place of torment called hell. And please understand, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, that spending an eternity with God is not based on how good you are or how few bad things you perceive that you have done or how much you attended church, how much you tithe, how many projects you gave to. That's not how we enter heaven. Now the Bible says because of our sin, we deserve an eternity separated from God in hell and that there is nothing we can do to make up for that. But in His great love for us, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life and at the end of that life, willingly died on the cross for your sins and mine. After He died, He was buried and three days later powerfully rose from the dead, proving that He is the Savior, the only one who can rescue us from sin and from an eternity in hell. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. If you are joining us and you have never made that decision, you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, please understand that is the difference between where you will spend your eternity is whether or not you give your life to Him. And please know that you can make that decision today. Would you pray with me? If that's true for you, friend, you've never given your life to Jesus, please know you can do it right now. It doesn't matter where you are. Whether you're here on campus, at home, in your car driving, you can give your life to Jesus. He'll hear you no matter where you are. Simply acknowledge to Him that you know you're a sinner that you know He died on the cross for you, that you believe He didn't stay in the grave, but He rose from the dead. Give your life to Him. There's no special way you have to say it. Go to Him in faith, and He'll rescue you. He'll save your soul. Father, I pray that if there is anyone joining us who has never made that decision, that today would be the day that they would begin to follow you. They would give their whole lives over to you. When they do, Pray that they would find the joy of following Jesus. It doesn't mean this life will be easier. Father, we know that. You told us that in Your Word, that this life will be more difficult as Your people. But You also told us that You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. We can come to You at any moment of any day with any issue, big or small. You'll hear us. You'll provide for Your people. Help us to be a people faithful to do that, to come to you in every situation with praise and thanksgiving, to lay at your feet the things that we are going through, and to trust that no matter what happens, your will will be accomplished, that your way is better even if it seems difficult at the time. I pray that through these things, as we learn to encounter issues this way, we'd be able to rejoice in seeing that life with Christ is so much better. And that we would be so overwhelmed with joy in that that we couldn't help but share with others the truth that Jesus Christ can save them from their sins. Father, we love you. We thank you for all these things. But we know and you proved when you sent your son to die for us that you love us so much more and we thank you for it. 
in your name. Amen.